Welcome to episode 665 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 665 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James. Oh, how's that going, mate? Pretty good, yourself? We're keeping an eye on England today, aren't we? We are. Are you more interested in the, the birth of the Royal Baby or whoever wins between Manchester City and Leicester City? Well, I, this football, to be honest. Yes. I didn't say soccer there, but, um, but they had a boy. Yeah. Do we have a name? We don't have a name. This is only hours after the event. In the moment. And the football's happening right now, but it looks like three minutes to go, Manchester City's going to win. Oh, come on, Leicester City. John's not happy, are you? No. I would much rather see uh, Liverpool take the title. John, look at this. Our, boy, our pop filter broke. We have to buy a new yes. one. Yeah, we do. Or we do the Kiwi DIY. <laughs> I have done the Kiwi DIY. <laughs> so pop filter is this sort of thing that sits in front of the microphone. So hopefully we don't... Make got the tape Ben's out. has got his green masking tape. I bought this masking tape. You know together. what? There's a story behind this. Because we, we painted... We did the, the cedar. We did the oiling of the cedar on the house. We got a lot of cedar. It was a mission over Christmas. And I went to Mighty T and I said, look, I need some, pa- um, some sticky tape that will stick to concrete. Because we had like kind of... Uh, what would you say when concrete's been it's not flat what would you call that kind of I'm looking at something else sorry <laughs> it's, it's not a very strong way to start the show talking about taping onto concrete well, there's a story to it if you're listening okay, but, okay carry on well I went there and I spent this all cost me like 30 bucks oh my god so I, I came back of tape. because it needed to stick to the stippled kind of concrete keep your eyes on me yeah. keep your eyes on but me keep your eyes on me on. Enter to win $500 towards your next adventure on X Insurance. That's what I was excited about. Look at me. Yeah. So I bought this this concrete, Yeah. got home, didn't work. 25, 30 bucks for that. I've been going back and spanking him, Mr. My Tenskite. <laughs> you want to spank him, do you? Yeah. I'll have is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, where I'm on the website at the moment. Enter to win $500 towards your next adventure. You have to click Can on you that. choose your adventure? Oh, I just, I, I'm going to find out, Bevan. Because is your adventure going down to the pub? Wow. All will be revealed later. I'll bring you updates on this. I did not know about so this. It's like the football game. We'll bring you updates throughout the show. Um, so I was brought to you by and? And our patrons. And let's name a few, Jumbo. Let's name a few. You are not sharp this morning, mate. <laughs> no. George, the M- Mr. Madman Grey. Alistair Speed Feet Fleet. He's coming over to Kona for my camp oh, in a great. couple of weeks' time. And uh, you're, he was also on the road camp uh, Oh, Alistair, yeah, he's lovely. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, and Paul, Mr. Detention Dean. Because of the school dean, that's why we would have gone there. Well, we've got this week's show, we've got some news, we've got Hot Topic. We've got a lot of interviews coming up, guys, but we're basically, John's going away for two weeks and I'm going for three weeks. So we're trying to do five weeks of shows where we don't have to do any work while we're away. And so we're kind of not doing any interviews over the next couple of weeks, but then you're going to be bombarded. We've got lots of good interviews, haven't we? We have indeed. So it'll just be me and you nattering away for the next hour. Yep. So uh, we've got Hot Topic, we've got news, we've got Age Group of the Week. Coach's Corner, what are you doing? Well, I did a bike ride at the weekend, and I thought over the next few weeks, given that I'm building up for a fairly key race, I thought I'd share maybe a session a week on some of the key workouts that I'm doing. So I did a pretty tough old ride on Saturday. So I'll go through having a look at that and what I was sort of trying to achieve. And then you got technical achieve. tips. So who was this from? You didn't give them the love. Annette Lee. Oh, Annette Lee, good Annette stuff. Annette Lee was technical officiating uh, at Ironman Australia last weekend. She had some tips around uh, draft officiating in terms of what people 
trying to get an understanding of what the technical officials are actually doing, as well as some tips from athletes. It is is interesting when you're on the other side of the fence uh, officiating rather than just being out there. So she's got a few ideas. Okay, so that's happening as well. Uh, I don't think we've got any questions to answer them. We've got winger of the week. So let's start with the results, John. We had the World ITU Long Course Distance Championships happen over the weekend and uh, interesting racing. It is. So it was held in Ponta... Pontevedra, which I believe is Javier Gomez's hometown or home region, and we'll start with the the female. Oh, also, we have been talking about this event for the last few weeks. It's a it's a series of uh, events. They've got the duathlon world champs, the aquathlon world champs, the um, cross aqua bike, the cross cross try, and then the main one, however, is the. Well, it's the way to do it, isn't it? It's great long distance world because these are all kind of kind of minor tier sports. But if you make it a big event mm-hmm. where you've got all of them happening at once, it's pretty cool. And for me, on the elite side of things, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, you don't. It, it, it's a good seventy point three field. Not great. Not great. It's, it's certainly not anywhere near the caliber of say the seventy point three world championships. But I kind of think, so why the hell do they have it? But it's, I guess it's more of an age group festival with an elite race yeah. rather than the other way around. Do you have an understanding of how many age groupers do this race? I don't off the top of my head, but I will come up with a, some surprising, somewhat surprising numbers to me a little bit later on. Uh, on the female side of things, in third place we had from Spain, Ana Nuguera. Uh, second place, Judith Vaquero. And the winner was Alexandra Tondur. She swam 26-21. Now the swim did get chopped in half, I believe. So it was supposed to be 3K. Uh, they changed it to 1500 because of uh, cold temperatures. Uh, th- she rode 3 hours and 10 minutes and ran a 205 and she took it out by two minutes so I thought I don't really know too much about her I've uh, heard her name before Alexandra Tondur she's from Belgium she is 32 years old uh, looking at her sort of resume on triathlon.org which is all the ITU type events uh, she won the middle distance European champs last October in Ibiza uh, she is sort of a regular podium getter at most races that she did um, all the way back in sort of 2009 uh, for a year or two she was sort of trying her hand at short course stuff European cup races um, some world cups but obviously didn't quite make the the step up <clears throat> from an Ironman perspective again she's you know focusing on the 70.3s world champs in 2017 she only finished 27th but most of her races in Frankfurt the European championships uh, that was actually going over Ironman distance she finished in third place solid time 8.59.55 and 8 yeah 8.59.55 so that's pretty good when you're going to Germany and getting third but lots of podiums uh, so yeah it was it was no real big names there on the female side of things on the men's side however a slightly different story there you had Gomez who the week before was sprinting his way to mm. second place in it's understandable why he would race this race being in Spain you know, oh, yeah you know good profile you know home race and and he seems to like the middle distance distance but hasn't fallen in love with Ironman racing no. well, well, although how many Ironman has he done two we did Cairns and yeah, Cairns and Kona I think Pretty sure there wasn't anything else. Yeah. Anyway, um, unsurprisingly, he took it out, but it was yeah. He ended up 
pulling away pretty easily on the run but I did notice a comment a few of them came off the bike together and uh, he said they took off like bloody startled rabbits on the run and he's a legend runner so one thing I will note with Gomez he is a bit tardy in transition at times oh really uh, you know I remember down in Wanaka when he was down there he took ages and he did uh, didn't he yeah, so he had a two-minute transition. Other guys were sort of the far. Terenzo did a you know one twenty-nine transition, and so that and, and um, it looks like they probably came off the bike together, uh, and then Terenzo blew up a bit, uh, and he only finished down in seventh place. So Gomez took it out. He swam twenty twenty-three. Uh, so I'd be picking it's a little bit longer than fifteen hundred meters if he's doing twenty twenty-three. Um, depends where they take the split, I guess. He biked two fifty-two, which was comparable to most of the other. Um, athletes in the sort of top 10 and then ran a 147.50 for a it's a 30k run uh, to comfortably take it out in the end by six minutes ahead of his countryman Pablo Gonzalez um, and Yaroslav Kovacic from Slovakia was in third just beating out so if we look at the age groupers I've just pulled off a couple of results while you're talking then and if we look at the men's 35 to 4, uh, 39 and then 40 to 45, you get about 100 in each age group. Mm. Uh, and the girls probably, or women, about maybe 40 to 60. So it's... Yeah. it's Very small. Yeah, it's probably... A, it's, a, it's an average 70.3. Mm. You know, so not huge. But probably the one thing... Um and I'll cover that. I'll mention it now, but I'll cover it in a bit more detail later on. Was the numbers in the Aquathon were a lot more than I thought? Not the Aquathon, the Aqua Bike. Oh, really? Uh, but we'll talk about that when we're doing our age group of the week later on. Okay. We also had another race happening in where was it? Oh man, Australia. Australia. Now, Bevan, you take a look at. Do you know anything about the results of this race or not? Other than what's in front of you? Uh, as in female side? No, I don't think I do. And this is the problem. I, oh no, I knew. I knew Laura won. This is a problem when, for us is we're not reporters. <laughs> we don't do this for a living in terms of really analysing results. You know, if, if you looked at that result uh, for the female side of things, what would you sort of say? Okay, let me have a look. She, she swam 55, pretty slow swim for her. Is, that, is, that, is she normally a slow swimmer? She's slowish, but that was uh, was particularly slow swim for Laura Siddell. Great bike, sub five. You know what else? And you're Caroline Stephen. You think Caroline Stephen back in the day, did she ever? She was an axe on the bike. Yeah. But, you know, different time in her career. So, is, did something happen in her bike? Well, no, I guess the thing is, if, if I just looked at this result without having, I watched a bit of the race, uh, I was on the trainer, and, 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 and we, a lot of us Christchurch people have a vested interest because Laura Sedal is essentially yeah. a Christchurch yep. girl now in terms of her spends her summers here. So lots of locals are really keen to see her do well. She hasn't had a great summer. And so if I just looked at these results, I'd say, oh, yeah, she won by six minutes, pulled away on the run, but that was far from what happened in oh, the really? actual race. So the females' race was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the males' race was, was brilliant on, on different different angles so it was always likely to be a battle between Laura Siddell and Caroline Stephan yeah although um, Kelsey Kelsey Withrow yeah, she, she had a really well. good race yeah. as well but so what happened is Caroline Stephan she's a good strong swimmer uh, had a commanding lead over Laura Siddell um, coming out of the swim and then Laura Siddell was was slowly chipping away on the bike at uh, Stephan's lead and then Stephan sort of seemed to blow up towards the end of the ride okay. and because uh, back in the day Stephen was an axe on the bike wasn't she oh yeah absolutely yeah. and then um, Laura Siddell then kept on trucking and uh, caught her up uh, and passed her uh, and had a, a small lead coming off the bike so Laura Siddell's bike time was 4.58 which is 
pretty solid on that course. And then uh, and then it came down to the run. So Laura started off with, yeah, I think it was about a 40 second lead. And you're thinking, uh, Caroline's probably a little bit better runner on paper. Uh, and and Torsten's stats probably probably back that up. Uh, so I was thinking, oh, what's going to happen here? You know, Laura's going to have to run really well. Mm. Um, to, to hold her off and initially it was sort of staying at that same level and then Caroline Stephen started chipping away at it oh, okay. and she actually ran up to her and they ran together for a while and you're thinking somebody's coming from behind they're probably going to pass and carry on and then I didn't actually see the moment when Laura got away from her but I believe it was on the, the hilly part of the course which is uh, how far how far into it it's before. I'm pretty sure it was before halfway. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So early-ish. Yeah, and then uh, and then she pulled away from Caroline Stefan and then kept on pulling away. Oh, so wow. she got she passed and then she got caught up and then I thought Stefan was looking a little bit stronger and then uh, and then she pulled away again and, and kept pulling away and Caroline Stefan. She she ran slower than predicted. Um, she biked slower than predicted, um, and it was a fantastic victory for Laura. And she was uh, very emotional about it. You know, she's had a pretty shitty summer over here, especially because last year she had a stellar year last year, didn't she? And she would have come into this year feeling pretty confident, and then you get a couple that go against you, and it can hit you a little bit, can't it? Well, and she's also at the stage of her career. She's not a new athlete anymore. She's probably you know maybe got a few more years in her. It's like if you start having multiple bad results, you're going probably questioning why, why you're, you're doing this and especially when you've got, you know, she's well qualified to do other things. Oh, this is, yeah, Laura's 38. Yeah, so uh, she ended up coming home in a 3.13 marathon, which uh, is okay by her standards, but not amazing. She's run, you know, three hours flat and wrote, uh, so yep. yeah, different course over there, but I think the way that she executed on that day was um, was fantastic so she was she, yeah, she was she was pretty damn pumped at the finish and what happened on the boys side of things oh just so caroline stefan did hang on for second place she only ran 317 that was slower than predicted uh, she came home about six minutes uh, and she did have to keep the foot on the accelerator a bit at the end because kelsey Wilthrow was uh coming coming up strong and she only finished less than two minutes behind her. caroline stefan was ko'd at the finish she was uh she was completely gone burger and uh she said she didn't she had some new nutritional challenges out there so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see if Laura Siddell takes her Kona slot Caroline Stefan already had one and there was only one for the males and females I think so yeah either Laura Siddell's got it or it'll roll down to Kelsey Wilthrow and then the boys side of things well this is uh, a bit of a coming of the age I think for Cameron Worth it was who's the guy who got 10th last year in Kona wasn't he no, he got uh, he, he got somewhere about there, but he's he's uh, for those that don't know, he's a weapon on the bike, absolute weapon, and the the results turned out to be great racing for the top three guys. All uh, first two all smashed the course record, and you'd go, oh, was it different conditions, different course? I, I believe it was the same course. So people correct me if I'm wrong there. But the first and second places, so Cameron Worth and Tim Reed, just had their best Ironman races, and they both said that when they finished. They said, oh, really? Yeah, that was, it was, you know, Cam Worth had some challenges at times, but uh, he swam 49 minutes, which was significantly slower. I, I guess the one thing here, the swim times are reasonably quick, so maybe if maybe the swim course or conditions were really favourable. But anyway, he swam 49 minutes. That put him nearly five minutes or four to five minutes behind the main guys out of the swim so but then he just completely killed the bike ride uh, rode 422 which I think gave him around about an eight minute lead off the bike which you got eight minutes is a lot but for Cam Worth 
not against real top gun um, bikers I kind of thought I wonder if he really laid it all down on the bike um, but I think his focus for the day was having a good run and holy crap he was running real good so he ran ended up with a 2.50.19 um, but he did have uh, I, I didn't see him stopping and vomiting but he either it either came out his mouth or it came out the other end <laughs> because uh, <laughs> he did leave something out on the course and the way that he was running, he... Jeez, he's he, a good runner, isn't You it? just looked at him, you're going, you're actually a runner now. You can actually run really good. He was he was on target for like a 246, 247 for much of the run. Uh, and that's getting down to the territory where you're a proper runner and he's the fastest cyclist in our sport. Well, Duckworth. Oh, uh, I'd probably, well... Duckworth yeah. has faster times. Yeah, I'd, I'd debate it. Uh, yeah. Give or take. Cam but, Worth's got the record in Kona. Well, that's true. So, yeah. but um, Starkowitz and Camworth's got a better result in Kona as well. Also, well, got ninth. He got ninth in Kona, and he ran a three oh six. So, if he'd gone down to two fifty, so he did what eight ten. So, if he did like a two fifty in Kona, takes sixteen minutes off. He's top three. There's no way he will run a two fifty in Kona. But if he can run a two fifty five, okay, they take eleven then, minutes off. Then he's in the and then he's third place. Yeah, and so he's he's getting in the realm of shit. He could really do this, you know. You th- again, you think about Lionel Sanders, and you go, "He's not when he's at his best. He's not far off." And if Cam Worth, if everything goes his way, and if they had really windy conditions, so he can really maximise his bike, I wouldn't have in the past. I said I don't think he's got it, but he's still pretty new to this. He has done about bloody sixteen Ironmans in a couple of years, so he's got getting a lot of experience. Well, this is the first pro- first time. Like you think of Stadler and stuff. Stadler on a good day get like two fifty three, two fifty three ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we have, if he can pull off this kind of performance, the thing is now there's several guys like that, and if they can get away and work together on the bike, you know, and, you've and got yeah. If Sanders, I know he's broken at the moment, but if you got Sanders, do you think we're going to see him in Kona? Roof, sorry, do you think we'll see him in Kona? Doesn't sound like it. Sounds what, what's happened? Uh, I think he's got a stress fracture in his hip or something like that. Oh, that's a big one. Mm, so. Maybe a blessing in disguise for him, I reckon. Anyway, I think Camworth's a legitimate contender for um, maybe not the win, but a but a top five, top three potential performance. And he's well, and, and he, he's got the mindset he wants to go to Kona to well, win. Well, no, because I remember interviewing him post race last year, and he was gutted in himself. Mm. He was really disappointed in, in his performance, really, because he kind of thought, you know, I've given myself an opportunity and I've kind of blown it. So you know, but he was also positive that. Well, move forward, but um, and it looks like he did this weekend. So stats for the day: forty-nine minute swim, two uh, four twenty-two on the bike, two fifty on the run for an eight oh six seventeen, smashing the record out of the park. Was, it, was this was a short swim? Well, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Because lots of guys did forty-four. I know yeah, it's obviously that's a pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, Tim Reed was he was stoked with second place. He came home in a two forty four for an eight oh nine, which also smashed the course record. And he was talking after the race. He was he was pumped. He said that was by far his best performance. If you can't remember who Tim Reed is, he won the seventy point three yeah. World Champs a few years ago in Australia. And he got second to Keenley a couple of years ago as well. And yes. He had a brilliant race, wasn't it? Yep. Well, that was when he beat him, though. That no. was when he when he beat he beat Keenlay. That that was your, the one you're thinking of. Oh, was it? Did he? Yeah, in Australia. Yeah, oh, okay, was he it did. when he beat him. Uh, and Denny Chevro uh, also a great race to finish in third place in eight sixteen. So the one that be <laughs> interesting to see where the Kona slots go goes because when they interviewed Tim Reed after the race and said, "Oh, so you got you got a Kona slot?" and he goes, "Yeah, I'll just have to go and discuss that with the wife." Oh, really? And he's been to Kona quite a few times and he he wants to. 
go well there, but for whatever reason he can't. And you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. He's got kids and stuff. He's got to feed mouths. So whether or not we see him in Kona or not, we wait to see. Do you know what's interesting this year, John? And and maybe more so, even though we're kind of oh, nearly up to halfway in the year, is you're kind of seeing a few results this year, which people are going to another level. Like Mike Phillips in Christchurch. I'm mm-hmm. um, no, sorry, in Taupo. You know, like Mike Phillips, you go, you know, career campaigner, you mm-hmm. know, might get the odd win here, but that performance was a stellar performance and mm-hmm. it makes you think, you know, on his best day, maybe he could pull off top five in Kona. You know, whereas in the past, you go on his best day, top 10. Yeah. You know, and like Cam Worth here, you know, like he has been a threat, but uh, mm. could he pull that run together? Well, he's proven this. And I think, mm. it, you know, this year's cone is going to be interesting and dynamic anyway, but just a few of these other guys are finding another level, which throws a few more spinners in the works. And it'll make it, yeah. I guess it's that second tier down is getting more competitive. Yeah. You know, going into Kona, I mean, I'd bang my house on uh, Fredino. Fredino. And he was, and you wouldn't like, pick Langer? Sorry? You wouldn't pick Langer? <laughs> I should. That's the thing. Am I going to put him in my top? I interviewed him last night, and it will be coming up in a few weeks' time. The sound quality is terrible, so hopefully you can hear what he says. But for whatever reason, when I'm picking, looking at Kona, I'm going, am I going to pick him? So two-time champion, <laughs> and, world record holder, and fastest the, runner of all time. And I know. It's bizarre. Why do people pick him? <laughs> Did you ask him about that? Because John did the interview and he says, can you ask anything? And I kind of well, said, can you go, go, go and ask that question? I kind of asked him about, does it bug him when he gets beaten outside of Kona? And, you, and you'll, you'll find, okay, yeah. find the answers yep. coming up. Um, but would I pick him again? I just think he's he's vulnerable, unlike anybody else. Do you know he's he's 178 centimetres, which is probably your height, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah pretty much. I'm, no, I'm 181. How much do you weigh? Nowadays, probably, oh, I never weigh myself, probably 80. On his website, he's 63 kilograms. Really? That, I mean, I'm slightly shorter than him and I'm 70 and I should be able to lean down to probably I remember when I was doing Ironman when I was was getting that kind of skeleton look in the face Mm. and I think I got to about 73. Yeah. And and I was, was, you know, I'm a muscular. Yeah, exactly. But 63. So they're taking another 10 kg off that. Yeah. The thing that made me laugh was... Uh, and you hear this again. Uh, ask sort of you know some of the key key sessions and and what when, how do you know you're going well? And this will lead on to what I'm about to talk about. You said you know if I'm pushing 300 watts on the bike, um, and I can't remember for for, for 10 minute reps or something, I know that I'm going reasonably well. That's that's not that much power. And so this will, this will lead on to what I'm about to say. Uh, about oh, wait a second. If he wins this year, if he wins, he goes down as one of the greatest of all time. That hasn't hardly won anything outside of Yeah, but an Ironman, mm. how many people have won three? Crowey? Peter Reid, ba- maybe? Yeah, he won three. And Mark Allen and Dave Scott, probably about it. Tim DeBoom, he got two or three? They only got two. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But in his defence, when you do look at his results, he doesn't race very often, but he has actually got a lot of wins, but not at major races. Yeah. And so he might do six or seven races in a season and quite a few of them are wins but they're, they're big, big races in Germany that we don't really know much about and he hasn't actually done that well at the German Ironman Germany mm, so you kind of think because that's also like a stellar race so mm. he probably loses a little bit of cred because Frodo kind of put, put shits on him there doesn't he yeah. <laughs> you know and so um, yeah fascinating isn't it in, anyhow um, back to back to Ironman Australia uh, as I said earlier I was interested to know did Cam Worth run well because he biked a little bit easier or did okay. he bike yep. comparably? So when I look at his run, uh, it, it it was 
On his Strava file, it was marginally short. It was 41.8 kilometres, but again, depends where you start your watch. His average pace was was 401. The bike there was, he got 177.9 kilometres, an average of 306 watts um, for 40.9 kilometres per hour with an average heart rate of 146. Now how this actually compares to Kona, he rode 10 watts lower in Kona for an average of 296 watts. But heart rate. Most interestingly, his heart rate was nine beats higher, and that's the the telling factor there. You know, that's obviously to do with the heat. Also, his lower power is could partly be due due to the uh, different nature of the the courses. But I think that's the telling factor. Is nine beats per lower nine beats lower means he was riding a little bit easier, which is why he was able to unleash a, a slightly better run. But so just, how do you so? But when you're whipping and cycling, mm. what, how do you approach Kona? You probably sort of got to try to pitch a little bit there in the middle, but you know the key for him is to be able to get away on the bike um, early enough and just build up as big a lead as possible without burning too many matches. You know, for him, I guess he can't. He doesn't want to be sitting around pulling people through the course or pulling the pack. Uh, he needs to try to get to the pack and get away as quickly as possible, so they're not uh, they're not sort of feeding off his energy. So the other thing I'd say about the coverage, I thought they did a, a really good job uh, over in Australia. So nice work, um, the Aussie team. Quite different to what we saw the week before. You know, they had two cameras going at once with a sort of a split screen, which is really good. So you could see the male and the female leader at the mm, same time. Good. Then they'd stop. You know, the cameraman would stop and would wait for second place. It wasn't just the week before at Texas of the coverage that I saw it was just a stationary camera on the leader basically the whole time mm. so I guess you're getting that local um, local provider you know they, they, the Aussies just know, knew how to do it a lot better than in Texas maybe they've got a local provider saying just film the first person the whole way through so I thought Aussies did a really good job there nice work there was you know it's kind of what you'd expect from Facebook, you got a few shots of the pavement and things like that as well, yeah. which you expect with live stuff, which is on Facebook. It'd but be to overall, know really what, good. What the cost is, you know, because the return on investments, you know, how many people really watch this race, you know, oh, you can see live, can't you? They have the numbers. Yeah, well, I, f- I recall when I was watching, there was a couple of thousand people on there. Uh, I don't. I would think their costs are probably. I might be completely wrong, but they're going to have at least one camera out there anyway filming it for TV purposes. I'm pretty sure that Rachel Joyce and Greg Welsh were not commentating from the venue. Okay. Uh, I, 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 it just felt like they weren't. Maybe they were. Uh, so I don't know. Well, I can almost guarantee it. Hmm. Rachel Joyce wouldn't have flown to Australia just to, to do a thing for 2,000 people. Don't think so. No, interesting. Uh, thoughts and sentences from other results from the weekend, and good old Crowey is doing it again. Wins bustled in 70.3 over Mike Phillips, and God, 45 years old, what a legend. Ran a 115 to Mike's 117. Mike probably won't be thrilled with that. Uh, he's been running really, really well, but he has been racing a lot. I think he raced the weekend before or two weekends ago. So you don't want to get beaten by a 45-year-old when you're, when, you're, yeah, okay. when you're on fire. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that moment with legend, you know, I remember talking to Mecca years ago and talking about Molina and just saying there was a, he, he raced Molina at the, 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 the very last day of Molina's career kind of thing. Mm. And he just, you know, he was a bit like, oh, he isn't what I thought he was. But it's because you're seeing him in his last moment of his career. Whereas Craig Alexander is yeah. still pulling these guys' pants down. Uh, Gill's side of the race? Felicity Sheedy Ryan took it out over Rekka Clark. We had 70.3 St. George. Rudolf von Berg, uh, great name, but beat out Bart Arnotts by just over a minute and a half. And Holly- you look down the field, 
You got Ben Hoffman and Sebastian Keenley. Oh, I did not notice that. And they got eighth and seventh and eighth. Oh, sixth and seventh, sorry. So that's interesting that you'd say that's an underperformance, wouldn't you? It is. Sebastian Keenley nearly had the fastest runs, but one fifteen. Yeah. Have we did. seen the end of Keenley? Yeah, I don't we've know. definitely seen Pink Keenley, haven't we? I don't think he can win Kona. If that's if that's a question, can he win Kona? I don't know. Can he be on the podium? Wouldn't be surprised about that. But I don't. I think he's lost that edge to actually winning it. I think the mental game too, isn't it? You know, like there was a period where he was a bit scary. You know, as in like everyone's a bit scared of Kenley for a bit there, and then Frodo came along and kind of stole his thunder. Mm. And then just in the last bit, we just, you know, he's still only thirty four, so he's mm. still got a couple of good years in front of him. But I don't know. Just that Pete Kenley may be behind us. I think if if everybody performs their potential, he's not going to win. You'd have to probably if you know if Frodo fell over and and wasn't performing again. Then you go, maybe he's got what a chance. What about Langer? Don't, Langer, he hasn't got a hope now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Females, uh, Holly Lawrence uh, dominating the female field by eight minutes. Over, but also good to see uh, Paula Finlay doing really well. She was a short course uh, girl from Canada that, that really was crushing it for a few years. Um, and she beat out Heather Wirtle and some other good females as well. Jo- Jocelyn McCauley was racing again. She raced the weekend before in Texas. Bloody hell. Jeepers, creepers. And we also had a challenge race on. That was an awesome females field. Yeah, well, both fields are pretty strong. Strong when you look at the men's as well. Yeah, Holly Lawrence, Paula Finlay, Heather Wirtle. Heather Jackson. Um, Sarah Pampiano, Jocelyn McCauley. Granted, she had raced the weekend before and Jen Arndt. That's a quality field. And Holly Lawrence just dominated them. Didn't she dominate someone last week as well? She, a few weeks ago, she did well, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, we also had one challenge race. What's that, John? Down the challenge Riccone, which is in Italy. We had Mattia... Casalaria, uh, take that out. And on the female side, Elizabeth Corodioro. In other news, uh, St. George, uh, Utah has been selected for to host a 2021 Ironman 70.3 World Championship triathlon. The announcement makes the return of Ironman 70.3 World Championships to North America for the first time since 2013. The, the event has been hosted in the southwestern United States. In addition... So stop, stop there. So we'll discuss that and then we'll go into the second okay, point. The second point bit's both, both points here are really good. So, so first of all, good stuff. Awesome Back stuff. To America. Back to America, but also on a really good, challenging course. And you've got to applaud Ironman. Uh, over the last period of years, they are just taking the race to really good, challenging courses and unique courses. So they're going, you know, Nice was uh, is going to be fantastic. Um, Taupo should be really good, but the St George course really challenging. Uh, and so, you know, Hopefully, trying to split up those bike packs. South Africa looked like they did a great job down there. So I've got to applaud them. They're, they're making this more and more prestigious sort of year on year. Which is good because remember when it first came along and they locked it in in Florida for the first few years. What a bore fest! It, it was a bore fest, <laughs> and it was a PR nightmare because every year, the day after the race, you would just get these photos of basically bike packs, yeah. and everyone complaining about the race. And so they've really learned their lesson and shifted around. The yeah. second piece of news, and this is pretty cool. In addition, Ironman has announced today that a new five-year host venue agreement that includes the introduction of a new full distance Ironman triathlon that will rotate between a different series of cities across North America. Beginning with St. George in 2020, the rotation will bring the host cities a full distance Ironman triathlon every three years with St. George again hosting Ironman event in 2023 
2020 and 2023 Ironman St. George triathlons will also be designated as North American Championships. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, the other host communities in the rotation for 21 and 22, which will be announced in a later date, as well as St. George, will continue to put on 70.3 events in the other years, giving athletes a chance to prepare for the same courses and increase the appeal of the destinations within the triathlon community. Cool idea, right? Brilliant idea. So really what they're doing is they're saying, St. George, you're going to have a full one every three years, and we're going to rotate this around, and that full one will be the North American World Championship every three years as well. And but and, and if they just did it an Iron Man in isolation said every three years we have an Iron Man, I think that'd fall flat on its face. But then when they're not having an Iron Man, they'll have a seventy point three. Fantastic idea. And Can't, it, I don't know why I didn't think of it myself, Bevan. Well, I'm surprised you didn't John, because you're a genius. But more importantly, what's cool about it is like you know, a lot of people can't do an Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And you you think of these races, like now Millie T- Tapo does fine, but if you kind of had Tapo seven point three every couple and then every third year um, the Ironman would boom, wouldn't it? Well, I think events get a bit tired after a while. Yeah. And especially now, there's the sport's growing and growing. And grow- well, there's a lot of know, choice. There's a lot of choice. And, um, and other choices outside of mm. our sport. And so if, if we were, I was an American based and I was in that kind of neck of the woods and they said, okay, you can one year you can go to St. George, next year you can go somewhere in the same sort of area and then the next year you can do a different one hell I'd be on that I think it's a great idea I think someone like Challenge Wanaka should take a leaf out of their book here and go we're going to do an Ironman every five years four years yeah, three or four, four years, years. Yeah, Olympic yeah. cycle or something like that then you go okay 2024 I'm doing Challenge Wanaka full yeah. it's coming back 2028 I think it's a fantastic idea although I don't think these are the, the full distance rotation will be close to St George I think they'll because yeah. it is a North American championship so I think that might be quite wide and diverse but um, and also it is that thing of uh, for most especially for the new people they're going to do an Ironman wherever it is mm-hmm. but for you know the use of the world of the people who are the long distance long term people you know three years every Ironman is probably a good your number mm-hmm. and so you kind of know okay well shit in 2023 i can do this race i'm going to work towards it i'll work with my partner mm. work with my life it gives me a big long-term goal to work towards so good stuff i man two good announcements from Ironman man there john and there comes another one oh, john we love iron man <laughs> and this is pretty cool actually brett, we've got lots of feedback on this but brett wow <laughs> chang sent through this one and he sent through that canada looks like it hasn't been confirmed yet has it I don't believe so. But it's looking pretty good. <laughs> Lots of people seem to be confirming it themselves on social media. Yeah, well, it's social media, John. <laughs> um, Pendleton Ironman, looks like it's going back now. Brett Chan sent through a great article showing the costing behind what it costs the local council to actually bring the race back. Mm-hmm. And did you read the article? I, I did, but that was a couple of days ago. So what was really interesting about it was basically they got rid of it because it was costing too much to mm-hmm. the council. And, and the irony is it's going to cost a lot more. So they gave it up back in, how long is that? About six years ago, wasn't it? At least. Yeah. Two, yeah. Uh, so it went to 2012. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, the, the City Council of the day parted ways of Ironman in 2012 due to uh, its owners asking for too much financial and in-kind support, a license fee of 75000 and on top of that, 110 worth of in-kind support, which means like motels and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Ironman then moved to Whistler. So basically it was costing them around 200000 at that time well basically now it's going to cost around 663,000 so the tentative agreement comes with the cost gross cost to the city of 663,000 includes a 299 cash, cash donation 
Mm. So that's just your cash donation. 150 of which is the licensing fee. Another 110 of in-kind services, such as space rentals, permits and policy. Uh, Placing, sorry. Uh, And they also, so the council, now the business people have come up with around 200,000. So the council has to come up with around 410,000. So they gave it up because it was costing them too much. But in eight years, it's inflated quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around this. And they're not, <laughs> their benefit is going to be tourists, people well, the, coming to the event. They're not actually, if the event does well, they're not the Iron Man that benefits, not not the local community, is it? In terms of financially, say the event runs at a $250,000 profit. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, so the financial benefits would far exceed the costs. An economic study conducted in 2004 estimated the local annual economic impact of Ironman was $12.5 million. Now that's, mm. that's, well, that's 15 years ago. Mm. Now, but those studies... They're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I've done those for some of my, some of my events, and I'm going, really? <laughs> You've got these tables you can use, and I'm like, that's just rubbish. But it's, but it's how the politicians can get justified, isn't it? Absolutely. But in saying that, surely an iron then bring more than 600,000, mm. you know? So, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but... but um. Penticton is one of the iconic triathlon locations in the world, and it's great it's going back. You're assuming they're going to use the old course they used? It was a bit of a one-lapper, which was very unique. Do you think uh, they will? One lappers, how many one-lappers do we have nowadays? Very few. Maybe Nice, uh, and I can't think off the top of my head of any others. Yeah, So, but good stuff and interesting insight there, so thanks for sending that through, Brent. Uh, we're coming up this weekend, John. I found a new race, Bevan. The Ooh. Crystal Coast Full and Half Booty Triathlon. The Booty Challenge. It's in the States, and uh, good thing is it's organised by, by a company that uh, does a whole bunch of other events. I did look at how many entries they had in the full, not that many, quite a lot in the half, uh, and by not many, it was you know less than 50. Okay. Um, but good to see another full distance race in the States, so get on it, people. It's crystalcoasttry.com. Okay, John's IT update. We had a World Cup in Madrid last weekend. We did indeed. And where are my results gone, Bevan? Um, France and Germany conquer the World Cup in Madrid. Madrid, for a long time, had a WTS race, which is the top tier, um, which is Olympic. But when they go down to World Cup level these days, they make them sprint distance. You had Justice Nierschlag take that out. And, uh, well, it looked like a sprint finish, actually. Um, so it must have been a photo finish because first and second are both Germans and uh, both their times are second and uh, are the same. And six seconds back, you had uh, Roberto Mancion and Emily Morier from France took out, beat out Sandra Dode and Angelica Olmo. And then coming up, we've got uh, what have we got coming up? Yokohama. Yokohama coming up this weekend. So, this is an important race. So, so. This does help for Olympic qualifying for some countries. Some countries are using this as a as a key qualifying race. So I know certainly for Great Britain. When's it's important. too early. Sorry. Well, they want to get people qualified early so they can focus on the event one hundred percent. And it more applies to your real serious medal contenders. For your guys are going to f- girls are going to finish tenth through thirtieth. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, you're making numbers, but, but hey, you got to the Olympics. Your top ten contenders. If you can give them a year to specifically prepare yeah. for the Olympics, that's the the rationale. It's still a fine it. line, buddy, because you know one of the things when we go back to Legends, a show we used to do years ago. Um, yeah. Well, if you go back to Legends and all the people who you ever interview who were going into an Olympics, all of them thought they could win it, first of all, and there's lots of people who didn't. Um, and secondly, all of them stuffed up their prep. 
Yeah, because they changed things in Olympic year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or overtrained or didn't trust themselves. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. who, you know, potentially could have been Olympic gold medal winners and kind of got it wrong on that year. What, what some of them will, will have done is targeted this event and I think there's one other and simulated their Olympic campaign. Okay. And so they're trying to peak for this one event. So they've done everything like they think they'll do for the Olympics. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Also got to give a thumbs up to Jordan Blanco. She sent me through a note based off uh, what we were discussing last week. Listening to the podcast and figured I should point out that all mixed relay team members must be selected from the four to six individual athletes um, for the Olympic Games. This is true for every federation as inclusion of the mixed relay was dependent on no additional athletes attending the Games. There are quotas and there is no ability to increase the number of athletes in a triathlon. So you can't go, we're going to have these two or three for the individual race and we're going to pull on two, two others for the mixed relay. Yeah. Uh, you've got to use who you've got in there, which I think is going to create some really interesting uh, selection when policies. Does it, do you, what, what happens when? Uh, do you know the timetable? Yeah, you don't have to na- name your athletes. No, no, but I mean like... What day, like, do we have the Olympic distance? Cut-offs. Oh, the... D- 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 on, in the Olympics, what, like, because, for example, let's say two Brownlee boys pull off two medals, mm. you know, go to the poms. If that happens, how good are they going to be in the, in the team? I'll check it, but I'm pretty sure it's, like, a week apart. Oh, okay. yeah, The Olympics is a couple of weeks. Yeah, true. Yeah, spread no, yeah, yeah. Spread well, 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 let me have a look. Well, well, we'll I'll try to look it up. Olympic okay. Um, I'll go to... We'll do, I'll do age grouper of the week while you're looking that up. So I had an email in from... Hey! hey! Group of the week. week. Uh, this will be a short one. Mel Selfiel sent this in. She's the Challenge Monica bike course director. Hopefully, you listened to my tip before, Mel, about maybe having a full down there every four years. Uh, 33rd place in the Aquathon. Oh, here we go. <laughs> World Championships. We love our 33rd place. Went to Mark Corlett from New Zealand. And he was up in, I'm pretty sure he's from Nelson. And uh, he finished in the 33rd place, which is the I Am Talk unique position to finish in. What I didn't, and, and I thought, I'll go check out his result. He's in the 50, 54 uh, men, and he swam a 29.27, and then he biked a 4.13. God, long transitions, but Mark had a fantastic transition. If I look at the athletes around him, he had five minutes. The person before him was 7.09. The person behind him was 8.20. So thumbs up for your fantastic transition. And that, what got me thinking was, he was in the 50 to 54 age group, and... And in that age group, this is the Aquabike, there was 44 athletes, which I thought was pretty pretty good. Yeah. And, and, I, and I scanned through a bunch of the other uh, age groups as well. And if I look at, say, the, let's have a look at, say, the female 40 to 44. Oops, I'm going to male 40 to 44. I'll see what that is anyway. Male 40 to 44, about 35 uh, on the females side of things. If I look at female 40 to 44 had about 20 odd so it's not like I kind of thought oh, I was only a really small handful of people in each age group it's actually looked like they did a pretty decent job with the with the um the aqua bike in lots of variety of countries it wasn't all just locals this, this female 40 to 44 there's 18 or there's 20 of them and only two locals the rest are all Great Britain New Zealand States Brazil so good work Canada nice this article here is not very good because <laughs> it's, it's on triathlon.org, but they've got the dates of the individuals. So the individual events will take place on the Thursday the 15th and Friday the 16th of August. Uh, and then it's got the mixed relay we'll see teams, but they haven't actually got the date of the mixed relays. 
I reckon it'll be about a week apart. Do you or, think? Or, because or, the setup. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the Commonwealth Games was only two days apart, maybe. Yeah, maybe I, I think, yeah, no, you're right. I didn't. Yeah. You know, which makes it really interesting if we go back to that point. Let's say you got the UK, who you'd say was one of the favourite teams, but they yes. get two two of the guys like you get the Brownleys, and let's say Alistair's in a place where he can compete. Um, they're pretty strong. They do really well on the Olympic distance. They're probably going to be if it is two days later. How sharp are they going to be in the sprint? Mm. So that's when it comes down to those countries that are, have got the ability to select three people have got a significant advantage because if you've got two males and two females, they're definitely doing the individual and the team. Uh, and, and, and so a country like France, that's where it becomes really interesting because they've got about five guys that are all pretty good and how do you go about selecting them? And, and equally, they've got a bunch of really good females. So, no, nah, it's going to be exciting times. And especially, and then, but then you look at New Zealand's case, we haven't got anybody who's really got a remote chance whatsoever of getting an individual. Oh, no, John, I think we are. Okay, wait a second, I've found the mixed relay. So, mixed relay. Oh, no, this is a oh, mixed relay. It looks like this is going to be happening on the 1st of August. That can't be right. So, they're saying it's happening at the start. But that's on Wikipedia, but again, if anyone <laughs> can on find Wikipedia, the answers. It must be true. Yes, if someone can find the answers, let us know. Yeah. Um, John, discussion of the week. This week we want to hear from you. We want to, oh, you know. You what what insurance is required in your I mean, country? I we've got thousands of posts for this one. Well, that's what I was expecting. That's why I've got a backup plan here, Bevan. We've got three. Uh, what insurance is required in your country to race triathlon and what do you do when you're travelling? Vicky Jones, in the UK, you have to have a home nation's insurance. It's a British Triathlon Federation, registered, if it's a British Triathlon Federation registered event, which can be paid for annually or it's a one-day license race license fee. If it's not a registered event, then you don't need a license, so you have to check the event insurance. Depending on your level of membership, Home Nation's annual insurance covers third-party insurance whilst training as well. Other than that, we have the NHS, which is their sort of Government. national health yep. uh, service, who are fantastic for overseas racing. I use pedal cover insurance. Good old Richard Swan's got God bless ACC in New Zealand for injury-related coverage. Now, is that when you travel as well? No, no, no. That's only if you have an incident in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, and in New Zealand, basically, if you have a crash, uh, you can get it fixed up. But do you, but do you get on oh, no, Okay, uh, uh, Toby Chanel, uh, Triathlon Australia membership automatically covers you for training and events domestically. There's a number of online options available for overseas travel. Always worthwhile to shop around and compare offers to find the best bang for your buck, as policies tend to charge fairly frequently. Change fairly frequently. Uh, Evo Alston in Norway, they have a race license through the Federation, can choose between normal and super for better coverage for travelling, additional and private travel insurance. Okay, Lucy France has got similar in the UK. Um, we must have a lot of uh, race license in, from the British Triathlon Federation to race in the UK one day or yearly membership because our NHS is struggling. I also have private health insurance should I need urgent hospital care in the case of an accident. To race abroad to be covered in the worst case scenario, I always take up travel insurance with the extreme sports uh, with dog tag, dogtag.com. So a couple of suggestions there for people travelling. Uh, New Zealand, we're kind of a little bit screwed because we can't access a lot of those big um, travel insurance companies. And so uh, when we race in New Zealand, um, you've got ACC. And often, you know, when I've raced other... For those who don't know, basically in New Zealand, everyone pays into a government insurance fund and it covers kind of accidents. And so if you have an accident... You, you you don't have to pay any membership for it. You just can't, can't, pay. can't sue people as well, which is great. It is great, although ACC can be dogs. 
But one thing that frustrates the heck out of me about ACC, you probably get this as well, mm-hmm. is that, um, so I teach fitness and I yeah. probably teach about 10 hours fitness a week and then the rest of my work in front of a computer. In front of a computer. If you were, if you teach one hour of fitness a week, mm. they'll charge you as a fitness professional for all your ACC, and it's so much more expensive than yeah. someone who sits behind a computer. That's my head a little bit there, one. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, so in New Zealand, we're a little bit unique. When we go and race overseas, um, then we basically tap into if I race in the states, and you've got to have the one day license with uh, racing over there. So we, yeah, in terms of topping that up with extra travel insurance, it's extremely you expensive. Get, so wait, we, if you want to get race insurance they have travel insurance for general staff and that will cover you a bit but in terms of uh, have you, do you get race insurance no because it's just astronomically I've expensive I haven't even thought to but no. what happens if you have a crash in a race well you'll be covered somewhat by the race yeah oh really mm. oh so your entry gets you insurance well, you've got to pay a one day license fee which so do when you go to Kona do you do that I just use the the uh, race insurance oh so you do mm. oh, you've got okay. it it's mandatory okay oh okay Okay, and then your other insurance should cover that. Yep. Like, well, obviously, we didn't get a big response to this, but it is an important topic because I'll tell you what, there was a case in New Zealand recently where a family didn't get health insurance or travel insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, the mother got really sick overseas, ended up passing away. Horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. Cost them like 300000 a huge mm-hmm. amount of money. Now, you're a fool. Get, get health, get believe, travel insurance. Um, but... Oh, not good. Yes, I mean, I've got travel insurance as well as that. Yeah. Um, I also had another question out there this week. Who do you want to hear from? Because we, we are trying to line up a bunch of interviews, not just the next few weeks, but throughout the year. Uh, and so we had some interesting ones in there. A few people saying Cam Worth. Um, we'd like to get him on, so we'll, we'll work on that. Lots of people want to hear from Joe Skipper, as always. Oh, we'll he get is back fantastically on. He's great. Uh, He's a entertaining. Uh, David McNamee, Lionel and Finlay. Um then we had uh, Mike Riley. We've done him for Legends, so I think we've fairly covered covered out pretty well. Uh, Starkey, um, we'll get him on again at some stage. Uh, Brett Sutton, I think we you know we had a pretty long interview with him. Yeah, we could uh, get back on, but isn't it? He's, a, he's an interesting interview because you basically say hello and then you wait an hour and you finish. But yeah, but he's got some insight. Uh, Tim Ford from Macarex, the CEO is running that. Uh, Legends Show, Dave Scott, Paul Newby Fraser, the Puntos Twins. I do want to get the Puntos Twins. Well, someone gave us a link. I think that's who you did, didn't I? Yeah, I know, but that was just like a their Facebook. Yeah, page. people check their Facebook pages. I, I did check these out and appear they don't too much. Anyway, oh. I, I, I have sent the research. Uh, Hamish Carter, Natasha Badman, Emma Carney, etc. Um, Bob, just got get Bob Babbitt on every week. Um, Jason Shortus, I do want to get him on at some stage for Legends. He was giving a talk apparently, um, Brendan John Murray was saying, and he was awesome. Who? Shortus? Yeah. And such like all, I was saying Macca on what's going on in Ironman. Well, we've had Macca and he's coming up again shortly. Yeah, we're, and when we're away, we've got like 50 minutes Legend kind of one, which is really Starkey great. Starkey and uh, Andre Sulikov said he wants Starkey versus Vice. Keenlay, because we want to know if he's healthy and going to win Kona. Worth, the the lad put out some uh, put out some markers. Vincent Louis on racing cross country and how that has made him a stronger runner. And Macaulay to know when she'll beat Daniela and also Laura Sedell. Okay, John, this week's discussion is what stops you from getting a workout done and what are you doing about it to get fix it? So... You know, you might just, you know, I actually do a public talk um, and one of the ones is, you know, your ability to deliver 100% of the time is this kind of concept and, you know, I talk about when I was a young athlete, 
uh, I was a 60% man. I get my program from my coach and I really only did 60% of it. And as I developed mm-hmm. as an athlete, I learned how to be that 100% athlete. Mm-hmm. That idea of what it has written in the program, I get outdoor and don't just get outdoor is hit the objective of it. Yep. Um, and so, you know, what stops you from being that person who is maybe a 60% athlete or a hundred percent athlete, and what do you need to actually shift to fix that? So it's this week's discussion. Done age group of the week. Let's do a sponsor, John. Sponsor Extreme Endurance. Apparently, John, you can win five hundred dollars to have your adventure. Well, and you need to go onto xendurance.com, and it's about sort of posting uh, on their Instagram account. Jeez, I've got sixty-three thousand followers. Um, so go check out, get share your adventures on X Endurance on their Instagram, and you can be in to win. There must be a hashtag. What's the hashtag? Oh, Bevan. Well, if you're going to promote it, if you're going to okay, have a pause. If you're going to be up for the have kids, a, have a pause. I'll talk about X Endurance. X Endurance team. It's a galactic buffer, and basically what it does is it helps to remove soreness post racing or hard training. And if you are looking to do some hard training, if you're in a big block leading into Ironman, these types of this supplement is a really good way to, to help you recover, which then helps you perform better at the next time you train, which then is going to lead to more consistent high-level training, which gives you a higher chance of performing on the day. And it's also a good tool when you're doing that lots of races. Let's say you're doing a run block and you're going to do like five, six races each weekend in a row, which, you know, it is good for your running, but it's also very demanding. Get on your extreme endurance. It helps to recover. And we get so much good feedback from people just saying it works. So get on it. So, John? Pretty sure you just go at xendurance.com, but I will find out. Okay. Well, no, so you could do the at code. Go, okay. go, to, go, to, go to Instagram, post your stuff on there and put at xendurance.com and be in to win. So if you're looking for the edge in training and racing, check out X, well, sorry, extreme endurance at xendurance.com. John, hit me with some music. Here's some music. Coaches Corner. Here we go. So yeah, as I said in the intro earlier today, um, next few weeks while I get ready for the Kona 70.3, I'm going to share one of my key workouts of the week. And at the weekend, I did a workout that I've actually never done before and uh, and basically hit most of my objectives. So the plan was I was going to go out and do around about a five-hour ride. Um, it's called our, it's our classic route uh, called the Gorges in Christchurch. I think it's 156 Ks um, for me. It's just... Nice big loop. Did you get the wind? I got some favourable wind, which was kind of cool. Uh, it's a big, big loop. You basically you have a bit of flat, and then you're just slowly grinding your way up towards the mountains, uh, and then you have a few little lumpy bits, and then you have a gentle grind, a gentle uh, downhill back to Christchurch. It's so around about five hours riding, uh, and my plan was to go out and do that, but include four times 20 kilometres at my half Ironman effort, which is around about 85% of FTP. So I'm certainly trying to sit at the the top end of sort of the recommended ranges, and. Yeah, that was basically the the, the plan for the session. Uh, between those reps, I was generally just you know riding fairly fairly comfortable effort. So what I was trying to achieve here when I go out and do the session um, was to be t- quite time efficient because I need you know for most of us time is our limiter, and for me getting long rides in is. Uh, fairly few and far between. Uh, so what I wanted to try to do was get a long ride in, 
but also do some really good quality race pace within that ride. Uh, the other objectives I had was uh, testing out some nutrition, so I was trialling a slightly different uh, infinite formula than what I normally had, so I really wanted to test that out and, uh, and chug that down all the way through the ride. Uh, and then the final sort of objective I had was putting myself under a bit of pressure when I was fatigued. So, you know, it was uh, my last rep was going to be towards the end of the ride when I already had, say, you know, 120 kilometres uh, in the legs, and then I was asking myself to ride another 20 kilometres at half Ironman power or, or just slightly above that. So that was sort of the, the plan going out there. And Bevan, you asked about the tailwind, and, and thankfully I had favourable conditions. I had a, a short stretch of tailwind, but the rest of it was uh, ask, pretty good. Because I haven't, I haven't trained in the time of power. Now that you have power, does it not bother you so much? Not really, no. Because, you know, back in the old days, I'm just thinking, you know, like back in the old days, you, you know, you had your speedo, so wind was like, oh, I'm going slow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you might have a heart rate, but you didn't really use it that much in your training. Whereas nowadays, if I'm trying to sit on 300 watts, sure, I might get home slower because I'm into wind, mm-hmm. and my speed may be slower, but I know, hey, you know, I'm hitting my objectives in my training. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not looking at speed whatsoever. The only time I look at speed is uh, just out of interest sake, yeah. towards the end of the ride, I might be seeing. And in, th- in this case, I did actually look at speed towards the end when I finished my my last rep I had quite a nice average speed and I thought if I just keep a little bit more effort on the way home I can average 33k an hour rather than 32.8 yeah. and, uh, and, did you? and I did yeah. I certainly didn't slam it but I rode harder than what I would have done yeah. otherwise but that was just playing games uh, so the outcomes for me was a very solid session uh, it was pretty tough um, but in terms of my objectives I got my nutrition uh, pretty close to right you know where it's, it was a coolish day and you know so when I take in the infinite uh, in race situations I'm trying to get through one bottle per hour uh, when I did this ride here I wasn't quite able to achieve that because uh, I would have been stopping or well, pissing my pants the whole way around the ride or having to stop and, and in fact I did stop three times I think to have a have a wee just because you know it's a lot cooler conditions and so my fluid requirements weren't as great but I did want to be forcing it in partly to test the infinite and also just to to get my stomach back into the mode of, uh, of trying to deal with that amount of fluid going through. So nutrition sort of got a, a, a nice tick. Uh, I would say I did struggle on the last rep but that but energy-wise, from a nutritional point of view, uh, it, it was fine. It was more uh, legs and just general fatigue was starting to get me down a bit towards the end. Still hurt my numbers, just, but uh, <clears throat> it was it was sort of touch and go. Bit, bit more of a head game. Yeah, and, and so the, th- the things that I learnt from the ride was um, when I was struggling, I diverted into that very common thing that a lot of you guys will do is uh, struggling with cadence when when under a bit of pressure and you're getting tired so much easier to crank it up a couple of gears um, to try to keep keep things moving than actually trying to keep the cadence up and that's probably the one thing that I really wanted to work on uh, after that ride going I didn't do a very good job of that towards the end and that's where using training peaks or other tools like that you can go back and, and analyze the the workouts uh, I did Bevan get a KOM on Strava. I did see. I actually saw this on Strava, (laughs) and I did see your crown. I didn't go deeper into your. And I was like, ah. God, some of those things are just absolute rubbish. I'll take it. You know, you play by the rules. No, it was you, a stupid one. It was like it was it was a it was a, for Christchurch people. It was called the Waddington Waddle or something like that. Yep. And when you come out of the Waimakariri Bridge, you come up this little bit of a climb. You've got this straight section down to when you get onto Old West Coast Road, and I think it was that straight there. It was maybe about four k's long. And at that stage, I did have a little bit of a tailwind, uh, and so I think I averaged forty-eight kilometres an hour for four k's or something. And I wasn't 
slamming it. I was just going at half Ironman effort, but I got the crown there. So mm-hmm. I'll take it. But I'd much rather have an uphill one than a slightly downhill high-speed one. But anyway, I'll take it. It's still good to get them out, isn't it? Um, but I will say that this ride renewed my hate, hatred <laughs> of roading contractors that cock up roading repairs. No, so this, this bumpy roads? Well... They've, they've repeat on this road, the ride, there's quite a few potholes in places. There's one road we have called Old West Coast Road. Quite a few potholes in places. You're kind of dodging, but it was actually quite reasonably smooth previously. So they've gone along and fixed it. So there's no potholes now, but the road is so rough, I couldn't even stay on my aero bars half the time. Oh, really? It's just like, come on, guys. If you're going to see a road, do your you, job. Well, they, it looks nice, and you're thinking, this looks like it's smooth, but when you're on your aero bars, Holy smokes, it was uh, bumpy all over the place. Mm. Um, so Bevan will put a link up to this ride that I also did post on my Facebook page. Uh, uh, and that's what I love about Training Peaks. You know, you, For you guys, you can go in there and actually have a look at things. And for me, when I'm analysing my sessions, you know, I hit my lap button as I was going through the ride and then I could actually go back in and delete certain laps. So if you do look at this file, it's got each of my individual reps and uh, it was pretty much on the numbers throughout. The other things that I look for when I'm going through this is trying to, ascertain what my heart rate's doing and you know for the first three reps it was uh, nicely in the zone but as I started to struggle on that final rep I was certainly hitting uh, the upper end of where I would want to get to so my half Ironman power is I try to hit 265 watts and uh, and I don't want my heart rate really going above 145 and ideally uh, sitting more down towards 140 so my first three reps um, the first rep was average 141 heart rate 136 and then 139 and then on the final rep when I was really starting to struggle a bit I averaged 142 and it got up to 150 so that sort of um, confirms to me that I've still got a little bit of work to do to be able to, to keep that power together come race day hmm. next else, week Ed? no no that's about it uh, if you come to Christchurch go and do the gorgeous ride great ride yeah. It's just, it is a good solid Ironman training day, isn't it? It is, because you, norm- you normally have a headwind uh, for the last stretch, which I had as well. I had a bit of tailwind, bit of headwind, but it's... Uh, That's a loop, stop off the Oxford and have a, a, a dairy, just do that? I, I did not this time. I stopped up and filled one drink bottle and then kept on moving. I see a, I see a Coke and a cookie time. Yeah. You know, the big crew of all class and all the boys. Yeah. Um, okay, John, so tech tips. So good old um, Annette Lee sent this through, she's got here. I don't know whether it's of any use to the content, but I was at... Uh, technical official at Port Macquarie at the weekend was my first iron distance race in the moto on the bikes I've done lots of shorter races but with almost 3,000 athletes out on the course it was the biggest race so far so we'll go one for one you can go first John so um, we've got to remember that Ironman uh, Australia at Port Macquarie had a 70.3 and a full 70.3 did start before the uh, before the Ironman because we were watching I was watching the start of the swim for the Ironman and the athletes hadn't even got in uh, for the iron distance swim the pros and uh, the 70.3 athletes were already exiting the swim mm. so next point number one we were organised in zones across the 45 kilometre out and back so it felt like we were all over the athletes I would say there was at least 10 motos so what you're saying there is you've just got your little patch which you're trying to look after rather than going biking on on the whole 45 area 45 kilometers you do your patch and you look after it okay rolling starts with both races but with two races on at once definitely bunches at the start which we worked to break up straight away with warnings then penalties so they got on top of that straight away 
passing and this is when you do start to watch the live coverage uh, you, you just see how many clueless people there are out there in terms of riding all over the road and not keeping to the side she said uh, uh, passing coaches tell your athletes how to do it blocking costs you 30 to 60 seconds so I guess it's 30 seconds if you're in the half, 60 seconds if you're in the full. So many athletes block when they should pass. You've got 25 seconds to pass, then you need to keep to the side. So, so many athletes have no idea. Um, unfortunately, men were the chief culprits. Bloody so, men. when you pass, you've got 25 seconds to get past the person in front of you and then pull to the side. If you're in America, it's going to be pulling to the right. If you're in any of the Commonwealth countries, then it's going to be pulling to the left. Keep to the side of the road hills number four poor is helly oh my god she's even gone omg johns because she's so young <laughs> uh the number of athletes who burn matches passing up a hill then sit up at the when uh, as they crest the hill because their stuff she's saying just don't burn your matches just work up use your power sit up take it easy don't go crazy absolutely for, for, for some slow athletes it is a case you've got to get to the, the yep, top of the hill yep, I, I, there's, there's the one hill up there was it flinders hill or something like that which i think it's a bit of a bloody grunt just to get over but any other hills like if you're in Kona or anywhere else yeah your power goes up a bit but you've got to keep the pressure on over the top and then get down the other side um partly it's more efficient but secondly it stops pissing everybody off around you as well when uh when you do ride like oh, a bit but, of a but that's the thing about it. i mean you're burning matches you don't want to do that and if you mm. if you try to shoot up a hill and you die at the top you're getting it wrong i, I do like this one TOs or technical officials know all the tricks of I'm not drafting athlete that athletes <laughs> deploy. Blame someone else. That's a classic. You're sitting there and you hear the motor coming up and you start pointing to somebody else. <laughs> we, used, we used to do that in the good old days. <laughs> I've never thought of that. That's gold. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a diversion, you know. Yeah. Uh, sit up and stretch or drink when they hear the moto. Yeah. Hands up. Who's done that one? I remember just I used to spend so much time thinking about the moto. And I wasn't a drafter. I tried not to draft. But yeah, it was amazing how much it just consumed my race. And what you don't know is that we've been watching you for some time and will continue to watch uh, in the moto mirror as well. Mm. So just Yeah, they're going to might be sitting a couple of hundred metres behind you watching what's going on, not just when you hear them, that rumble come up behind you. Okay, in, br- in the briefing we are instructed to bus where the intent is clear, but we will bus for violations like underpassing or littering, even if it's a mistake. It is the athlete's responsibility to know the rules. And so I think what Annette means there by underpassing, initially I thought, is she talking about passing on the wrong side, which you should get your, your yeah, bloody yeah, head checked if, you, if yeah. you do that. But I think what she's meaning by underpassing is when you try to make a pass and then you can't do it, and then you drop back again. Oh, okay. uh, so once you're committed you've got to, to do the it, passing, eh? you've got to make the pass, irrespective of how hard you've got to do it. And that's when we talk about not surging on hills. Unfortunately, in this case, if you've got to ride whatever watts to get past somebody, you've got to do it. As soon as your wheel gets in front of them, then you, you technically you can sit up and uh, really annoy the person behind you, but uh, you've got to, got to go for it. Littering is, um, yeah, that's a tricky one. You know, I could have been done a couple of times for accidental littering with bottles falling off. Well, then, um, well she was behind you, you're done. I know. Yeah. Jeez. Annette, make sure you're racing in Kona 70.3, not officiating. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Um, number seven, riding skills. Some of the best riding out there was amongst the women. Annette, you've got a bit of a theme here. You've yeah, got a you're sexist. Like, sexist. Yeah, sexist pig. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> solid position on the bike, sit bones firmly on the seat, no upper body movement, just power through the legs. Men rocking all over the place, uh, whether on the flat or climbing. Just watch Camworth ride. As he came towards me the first time, it was as if he was welded to his bike, ballet on the bike, just beautiful to watch. No, we shouldn't be balleting. Yeah. He should be riding it. I know, but he does look extremely good. They're just and a good athlete's efficient, eh? Hey? Mm. You watch any good athlete, they just they're so efficient. Mm. Yeah. Uh, number eight, time for some younger athletes to get involved in the technical official work, which is true. Generally, we seem to be more mature, and I'm probably un, um, unusual because I'm also still racing. But if younger athletes got out there more and gave back, they'd learn a lot. It is a great way to expand the knowledge about the sport, make friends who aren't obsessed with power and times in the sport. And I guess it's, it's a good point because I never go back. I think I raced three. I, I, I once rode the motorbike for you. Yes, yep, <laughs> once. But um, you know, we all get frustrated by this problem of drafting. And when you go to events and you've got people in positions where they're actually doing things and they know what they're doing, it's much more enjoyable for an athlete. If you've got somebody on the mountain dismount line who you know is an ex-athlete or is, is an athlete and they're really being clear in their instructions, then you're onto it. And if, yeah, if everybody just, not everybody, but if everybody just put a bit of time in uh, and just go, I'm going to technical officiate at one race, then we'd have more and better officials. Um, so yeah, good point, Annette, and thank you for that feedback. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, wanger of the week. John, who are you pulling off this week? Who am I pulling up for? What's the number you, you kind of... 19, uh, my birthday. 19? 19th of August. What are you going to do this year? 42. I'm going to get my healthy man check. Yeah. Because every two years. Yeah. So I'm going to get that done. Because it's, have you, did you get a healthy man check? No. John? I'm healthy. Well, you might not be. How do you know unless you get a healthy man check? I'm backing myself. Have you had the finger up the bum yet? No, I've not had the finger well, up the bum Well, luckily yet. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> because when I went to my healthy man check when I was 40, because you've got to do it every two years, John, um, they took a blood test and said, Right. And I think that tells you the same thing. So gotcha. I was disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> I, I went and just pulled my pants and bent over. I said, oh no, I'm taking blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but seriously, guys, guys are idiots. Because men have this, she'll be right attitude. You think you're newsome. You think you're healthy. <laughs> Go to your doctor. Two years, it, it cost me 200 bucks. Yeah. But you, like admittedly, I, I was healthy. But don't you want to know? Absolutely. So. I'm going to get on it. Yeah. Exactly. Don't give me a cheeky smile, you little shit. Oh, love this name. Thomas Butter. Oh, Butter. love it. He'll, he'll spread you out. <laughs> he just dominated the dojo with 38 hours and nine minutes. Not quite double the second place. 38 hours? Yeah. He Jeez. must have gone nuts on the bike. He did seven activities. He did run 47 minutes, but he rode 37 hours and 22 minutes. Do you have butter on toast? Uh, usually I try to get butter rather than Oliviania we, yeah. we, we don't because I, I normally have because for breakfast I have two bits of toast I have three bits of, or two and a half bits of toast <laughs> what do you do with the other half I just put it down the waste supposed oh my this is the problem we've got in the world food wastage there's plenty of food in the world it's just about distribution but anyway um, no because so what I do is I have two bits of tomato on toast with hummus instead of butter Right. And that works really well, but it's sold on top. Yeah. Genius. And then I have half a bit of toast with peanut butter. So okay. I don't normally have butter. But today I ran out of hummus. Oh. So today I had butter on my on my um on my tomato toast. Yeah. OMG. Butter's good. You're gonna go butter and peanut butter, then you'll know what's Oh going I, well, I didn't do that for my peanut butter. Oh no, I do that. Butter and peanut butter. It's oh gold. What's is it Thomas Butter? There. No, it's oh, <laughs> Thomas <laughs> Butter. Sorry. 
<laughs> I was just wondering if I got anywhere. Thomas Butter. And I tell you what, the one time I do have butter, because on a Friday morning, Friday's day off work. Mm-hmm. Fun day Friday. Friday and Friday. Friday Friday I also got a bit cray cray of my food as well John crazy <laughs> like yeah cray cray and on a Friday morning I have four bits of fruit bread with butter and I, do, I, I soak that fruit bread in butter nice that's one of God's greatest gifts isn't it fruit bread with butter I'd, I'd just say a nice piece of bread with butter and peanut butter but do you, like, do you like fruit bread fruit bread's alright oh John yeah it's more than alright what about hot cross buns hot cross buns are good I like a nice piece of ciabatta Oh yeah, I yeah. Do like a good bit of My wife butter. makes it. She makes it. She makes it. Yeah. yeah. I'll come home. She's made. She made a cheap butter last Friday. Like, this butter is in China or something like that. He's, he's buttering up the Chinese, and she made one last week. John, her, her mother made me soup, yeah. and Joe made me fresh bread when I got home from the gym. John, yeah. I live a good life. No, um, he's okay. not in China. He's in Taiwan. I wonder oh, if yeah. he was out there doing maybe challenge Taiwan or I'm in. Taiwan or whatever was on there. But Thomas Butter, you are our... Wanger of the week. John, we have no questions and answers. It's a tragedy. Tragedy. Who sings? When you're feeling wrong and you can't go on, it's a tragedy. Fee-gees. Yes. There you go. Well done. No more. The best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I started singing John's up thinking about it. Then he does the dancing hands. <laughs> dancing yeah. hands. Dancing hands. The dancing hands going. Mate, that's great. I'm proud of you. Good. That's no, really no, good. Is it what, 70s probably? I know my 70s rock. That would be 70s. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't Not call them rock. rock. No. <laughs> no. 70s pop. Yeah. Pop. Yep. That'd be pop. They were, they were dominant. Man, they were man. an interesting career because they came out huge, then faded, then came back in the 80s, huge, and died, and then had a massive revival back in the 90s. Nice. Yeah. That was the, I don't want to be alone. BGs. Yeah. Two of them are dead. Do you know that? I did not know. Uh, no, I did know one of them died. I think two, somewhat recently. Yeah, two of them died, and, uh, and so only one's alive. They have quite a tragic family story because the younger brother was a singer as well, mm-hmm. and he died quite young. Yeah. Oh, poor BGS. Oh yeah, John, patrons. Uh, we've got Liz Elastigirl, the Hayden, Simon, the official marshal, and <laughs> Bigfoot Melissa Uri. And she she sent through the age group, didn't she? No, that was uh, Mel. Oh, Southfield. from Monica. Yep. Oh, hey, Mel. Uh, okay, John, sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. If you want to get the show, what was it? And our, oh, we've done our patrons, sorry. And our patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me and it's all very obvious on the page and you support the boys doing what we do, bringing triathlon news to your life. Uh, we want to get the show email, just go to www.imtalk.me at the bottom of the page, put in your details. Each week when I release the show, I just email it out. Coaching, get some great coaching from a great coach called coachjohnnewsome.com. You can get my podcast. I did an interview with an expert on, well, not an expert, a guy who's studying exercise addiction. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. One thing they had to do is they had to differentiate between those with eating disorders, because often people with eating disorders have exercise issues as well. But it's yes. mainly driven by the exercise, um, the eating disorder. Yeah. So they because I did he did a survey. It was quite a thorough survey, and a lot of it was about nutrition. I was like, well, what's all that about? And said, well, we needed to cut those people off because mm. we need to see people who maybe have no eating problems, but actually have. Um, actually, I might put a link to it because I imagine a lot of people in our world have exercise problems. We'll be we save it for <laughs> if, whether it's relevant for our audience or not. Well, I mean, he, he hasn't actually completed the study, so when he completes the study, I'll come back. Okay. Because he, he did talk a lot about tri- uh, triathletes mm. and the problem because I guarantee there's a lot of people in our world who are addicted to exercise in, mm. in a negative way. Um, so you want to check that podcast out? Go to Bevan Jabs. I've also got a new website, John. So nice. Swears a new website. Uh, age group of the week. Cool websites. Other feedback. Email. I am talkpodcast at gmail.com. So I wonder if I, I. I wouldn't say I'm addicted to exercise because I don't. But I 
don't like it when I'm not exercising. Well, what, one thing one thing he it? talked about, and I can't remember this is one hundred percent accurate, but it's kind of if you stop exercising for a week, people who have exercise addiction basically start to show the same symptoms as depression. Mm. Mm. And so, so, and I'm going to be honest, I can't remember last time I didn't exercise within a week. I'm okay taking a week off. Yeah, but, but beyond do that, nothing. Yeah. When was the last time you did that? Uh, nothing. Seven consecutive days. I would say 15, 20 years for me. Yeah, no, it would be a long time. But you just. I yeah. think I think I think when I was doing Ironman, I was. I think mm. I definitely was. I I created a really unhealthy life. Mm. Um, I don't think I have any. And and it is a need mm. and it is a want, but I don't think. Yeah, but if you said to me for. For a month, you're only allowed to exercise every second day, and yeah, it's got to be something yeah, short, 30, 30 minutes every second day. That just seems healthy. But yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't think I've got an addiction problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm actually going to once he's finished the study and he's going to do it again. So maybe once I get that one, I'll get it on here because, or maybe I'll get him. Maybe we can get him on here to talk about that where I'm in because it'd be really because I guarantee lots. Of, there's some listeners out there right now who have the issues, mm. um, and I'm not being critical because I know there was a period of my life where I was like, mm. I remember for me. There was a period of my life where I'd done like five years of exercise with no rest days. And I remember I went to the gym on New Year's Day mm. as soon as it opened and I was the only person at the gym. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, I've got a problem. Yeah. You know, like nobody. Like I was, And I was like, they had the yeah. staff and I, was, and I was there for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Nobody was at the gym. And I was yeah. like, oh, I, I'm, I think I'm the one with the problem here. So interesting stuff. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Uh, we need some more patrons because I went to the movies on Saturday night oh, did you <laughs> with the family. <laughs> we went to the new, new cinema. That was pretty it, awesome. It, it is, it's awesome, isn't it? You go into town every day because you bike. Yeah. Or do you, you don't bike anymore. You're lazy, aren't you? Oh, well, lazy is not the word, John. <laughs> <laughs> what's the right word? Just bike up the hills and let it peeling. It's just time efficiency, John. Because okay. if, I, if I bike to the gym, 10 minutes, no worries. Mm. But biking home takes about 25. Mm. So, you know. So anyway, I don't go to town very often. And uh, geez, oh, it's looking you, awesome. Oh, it's going to be awesome five, Far 10 years out. from now. It's just so many cool buildings. And also, one thing Christchurch has never had is inner city living. Mm. But once you, once people start coming into those apartments that have been built, yeah. it's going to be an industry. It's going to be such a cool spot. Yeah, so that was, that was it's always cool. What did it cost you? Okay, so what did the cost of the movies? Because I, so, I can't imagine you bought food there. <laughs> this is part of my frustration. Oh, did you buy food there, you fool? So, well, you've got to pick your battles, Bevan. You've got <laughs> you to pick your battles. <laughs> and so, sixty-five bucks for four movie tickets. Yeah, that's not cheap. So that's. Uh, so you went to Endgame? Yes, we did. Did you cry? No. Oh, John, you have no heart. I'm half British, Bevan. We don't do that yeah, stuff. Oh, I'm sure some poms just, cried. We don't do that stuff. Uh, the challenge, oh, the beautiful seats. Nice oh yeah, it's a great seats, cinema. Comfortable as. Yep. Um, and I, this is this was the day that I did this five hour bike ride, oh. and uh, so I was quite well hydrated by the time I got there. Yeah. And, oh, the P factor! And Belinda got a, a wine, and a, and I got how a much, beer. How much did that cost you? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, and so yeah, we got a, a wine, a beer. She got a water. She, I, I does my head when she forgets her, her water bottle. She's like she guzzles a lot of water. Yep. She had to buy water. I hate buying water. And often when you do it at those places, what they do is you don't get a six hundred mil; they give you a three hundred mil. I hate it. So. A wine, a beer, a water, and some popcorn. What do you reckon? Wait, but what did the kids get? The kids got popcorn. Oh, okay. I reckon you're dropping, I reckon probably 50 bucks on that. No, it was 30, about 37, I think. That's pretty. But the thing that bugged me. So you me, had $100 a night. The, 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 thing, well, we're there. the thing that bugged me was there's no prices on any of the food or drinks. Uh, I hate that stuff. Dirty dogs. Right. And do you know who owns Hoyt's? No. Same people who own Iron Man. 
Wanda. You're fucking everywhere, John. You've done well at the start of the show. You're going downhill. <laughs> so went to the movies, went out to the sushi train afterwards. That was that was really good. And that was cheap. That was great. Where's the sushi train? Across the road, upstairs in the crossing. Is it really? Was, yeah, that was really good. Enjoyed cheap. That. Sushi trains are normally really expensive. Yeah, I, for some reason. I, th- I think I restrained myself. Because remember think- when we did it in Hawaii, and we, remember my chicken wasn't cooked? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that was gross. <laughs> well, you know, the, the only food you can get away without not cooking is chicken. And we're eating a sushi chain and John and I, plates on plates. And I was like, yeah, it was like raw, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that wasn't good. No, uh, no but I, I restra- we restrained ourselves uh, there so we didn't go too crazy. I think you could you could. Did you enjoy the film? The film was good. Yeah, really liked it. But I had the pee problem. I, I was oh. checking, I got my phone out. It's like, it three hours. I, I, I've got my phone out, sort of clicking the time. We're only an hour and a half in and I was Busting for a piss. So when did you go? What'd you miss? I didn't. I sucked it up. Whoa! <laughs> I had the foot rest up at that stage. I thought I'll lower the <laughs> foot rest down. I'll get myself in a more comfortable position, and I I battled it out. And but then when I went to the toilet afterwards, what's the, what what is the it's the Adam is it the Adam Sandler one Big Brother or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And he's just sitting there standing there. And he's peeing for like two or three minutes. Do you know one time, John? I was in I was in I was in Malaysia. And I went to the toilet and they had a hose. They have a hose. Right. Next year, I think it's to clean your butt. So it's yeah. not like a bidet, but they have a hose. Yeah. So my mates and we're having a, it's the night after we have done the work. So we're having a bit of a piss up. My room always is the where people party for some reason. Yeah. So we're in the room. Everyone's having a drink and stuff. And I went to the toilet and I thought, they've got a hose. Yeah. And I thought, I've got a gold here. I'm just going to pretend I'm peeing for like half an hour. Yeah. I committed, mate. I stayed in that room for like, <laughs> and, I'd, and I'd pee and I'd stop and I'd start again. And I was thinking, they're going to come out and just think, come out. No one noticed. No. I was so gutted. Put so much effort in. Did Thomas cry? No, but he said it was a bit sad. Yeah, he cried. Sad. No, no. You he's, need to teach him to let go, mate. Quarter, you need to be a role model for your kid. He's a quarter British. The great thing at the moment is he's away on school camp for two or three days. The house is quiet. Oh, bliss. bliss. Bevan, what's happening in your world? I went up to Wellington. Uh, flew in, flew yeah. out. But I did it. 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 I did Flying, you fly out. Yeah. Didn't even really spend much time in, in the town because I just kind of did my job. But I was doing a public speaking and I did public speaking for the funeral in Obama's mm-hmm. association. Not the Obama's, the no, no, Obama's. No, Obama's, <laughs> Obama's. Um, it was interesting actually. Mm-hmm. It was it was interesting. It was, it was just interesting. Normal people. People always go, What are they like? Oh, it's normal people, it's got an interesting job. But the one thing that was interesting was they were saying they just always have to talk about death. Because mm. once somebody knows it's your job, like, you know, I imagine you find when you say you're a coach, people will justify the, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> talk about triathlon yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so imagine if it was everyone talked about death to you all the time. Mm. Interesting life, isn't it? The same with cops. It's always <laughs> dealing with bad eggs pretty much, 90, probably 95% of the time. Yeah. So that's about it. And then... I didn't go to Endgame. I saw Endgame. I've already seen that. Game of Thrones is I'm a bit disappointed in. No, yeah. It's just not doing it for me, John. It's like, it's fine, but you're kind of, they've done such a good job. Mm. So it's not really, that's, you know, like, it's a bit, eh? Then, that's about it, John. Not oh, much yeah. more to goss. Okay. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.